0: Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 and meet me at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And I will conclude at verse 3. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Today is Palm Sunday, and uh, Palm Sunday is the triumphant entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem one week before his resurrection. Uh, essentially, Palm Sunday is the beginning of the end of the earthly physical ministry of Jesus. And so this week commences what we call Passion Week, and it's here during this week that we will see Jesus... not only died, but he was buried, and then next Sunday we'll see him rise. So he is going into Jerusalem uh, like a humble lamb. He he didn't come in on a horse, he came in on the donkey, which means he came in with humility. If he came in on a horse, he would have came in as a conquering king. But he came in on the donkey, uh, in essence, a donkey that had never been written before. So God likes new things. He likes new things. It's okay if you like new things. Do you like new things? I like new things too. But sometimes our mindset is always use things. But God likes new things. We can like new things as well. And he came in on a donkey, a donkey that had never been ridden before. And he comes into Jerusalem to really essentially uh, sacrifice his life for our sake. We see in this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. I was inspired this week to share this with you. I saw some things new that I wanted to communicate with you, and I believe it will bless your life. And I also believe that it will change the trajectory of your life. We see In Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter, and it's a list of all of the men and women of faith who trusted God, believed God. They were faithful, and they acted on what God said, and we see the list of things that occurred, and in verse 12, we pick up, It says that we are surrounded by these cloud of witnesses. So in heaven right now, there are a cloud of witnesses, essentially mean there are a, a bunch of people that are rooting us on. They're cheering us on. We're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. And the scriptures tell us that we are to lay aside every weight. That means anything that will slow us down, we're to lay it aside. We're to put it aside. We're to drop it off every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, or the mistakes, the mishaps that we continuously get caught up in, we're to lay that aside. And I like what it says here. And we are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want someone to shout, The race. The race. And I want you to say, Now, the race, the race is set. And so when I'm reading this passage of scripture, I'm finding out here that the writer of Hebrews is talking about a race. And this race is a set race. And so this race being set means that this is a predetermined race. Or you could say this is a pre-arranged race. This race has been set and this race has been set by God for your life individually. God the creator has prearranged and predetermined your life by his design. Now we know this is good. Jeremiah 29:11 says that the man's that God God's plans for us are to give us a future and a hope. And expect it in. We know that his plans are good. We know that his plans are prosperous. John 10, 10 tells us Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. God's plan for you is a good plan. It's a prosperous plan. It's an abundant plan. He is predetermined and prearranged for you to have life and life more abundantly. But he placed you in a race. Come on, somebody shout race. Now, this is so important that this race is not a competition between you and someone else. This race is for you in your lane, in your space, and in your time. It's not a race where you're competing against Uh, someone at work. It's not a race that you're competing against another minister. It's not a race that you're competing against your sister or brother. It's not a race that you're competing against a co-worker. You are competing against yourself, and it is in your lane, your space, and in your time. And discovery of your race is what we call vision. Vision is discovering the race that God has set before you. If you don't discover the race that God has set, prearranged, predetermined for you, you will have frustration. And so frustration occurs when you don't discover the set race that God has for you. And the first step to discover the race God has for you is to give your life to Jesus. It's the salvation process. It's to uh, go to the creator with your life and say, creator, why did you create me? There is a purpose for every creation. There is a reason for existence for everything that has been created and you're no exception. I don't care if you got here by accident. I don't care if your parents didn't plan for you to get here. I don't care if they wanted to abort you. I don't care if they told you that they don't ever like you. You did not get here by accident. You are here by divine purpose and you are here on purpose. And God has given you a race that only you can run. I thought I'd get more amens than that, but that's good preaching right there. This race has been set. Somebody say set race. Now, in this race, Paul, or not Paul, I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews, who I think is Paul, by the way, but that cannot be confirmed. The writer of Hebrews tells us that you have to run with patience. How do you run with patience? Uh, I woke up this morning. I ran two miles this morning on my trip, and I can tell you it wasn't running with patience. I was laboring, and I was breathing, and I was sucking air, and I was sweating, and I was trying to get some water. I just was trying to get get two miles. Please hurry up. Come on, two miles. Get finished. I was not running with patience. I was trying to run as fast as I can to get done. But how many of you know that if you run with patience, that means this race is not a sprint? This race has to be a marathon. Uh this race has to be a long distance race. And so if you ever have watched any long distance runner, you'll look at them. They don't have weight, excess weight. Uh, they don't have uh anything of excess. They are thin, they have let things that are heavy off, they have uh they have even even what they're wearing is light. So that they can run this marathon, watch this, with patience. And if you're going to run this race with patience, the, the only way you could do it is step by step. And each step is incremental. And as you continue to step, you are then running this race, understanding and knowing that it's a marathon. And if you want to continue on the race, you got to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. If you are not, there is an enemy that's trying to eliminate you and get you out of the race. And unfortunately, he has been successful in some areas, getting people off their race. If he can't get them by killing them, he can get them distracted. And if he can get you distracted and looking at Pookie to the left, Ray Ray to the right. Well, I want to know what Pookie doing. Well, I'm going to run Pookie's race. I want to know what Ray Ray doing. I'm going to run Ray Ray's race. I'm trying to compete with them. He can get you off your race by looking at someone else's race. Uh, Truth be told, sometimes you and I know more about someone else's vision than we even know about God's vision for ourselves. I'll say it again. Sometimes we know more about someone else's vision. Well, you know, I really like that man over there. And I can tell you, God's called him to do this, that, this, that, this thing. I don't know what God called me to do. Because you're thinking about Billy Bob and not focusing on God. What have you called me to do? And the way we discover what he's called us to do, he gave us this book, which is called the Bible, or you could say the book of Instruction. This book of instruction will direct and guide and instruct you as to what God has called you to do. And if you're here today and say, I don't know what God's called me to do. I'm going to let you know what he's called you to do. You're called to be conformed to the image of his son. You're called to look like Jesus. You're called to act like Jesus. You're called to respond like Jesus. You're called to do what Jesus would do if he was physically on the earth. That is your calling right there. So don't leave here today saying, I don't know what I'm called to do. You are called to look like Jesus. Now, as you spend more time with him, he will show you in what sphere of influence you are to be in. But ultimately, you are called to look like Jesus. And so this race has been set. And in verse 2, the writer of Hebrews says, we are to look unto Jesus. So we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. Why? He's the author. He's the one that started our faith. And he is the finisher. Somebody shout "finisher," finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. So the race was set. Now the joy has been set. Huh? The race was set before him. Now the joy has been set before him. He endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. Now, I used to preach this message this way, and I saw something new. I used to preach it this way. Jesus, he's the author and finisher for our faith. And now the scriptures kind of turn and say, okay, I want you to consider Jesus now. There was a joy that was set before him. And that joy that was set before him caused him to endure the cross. And the joy, and I would ask, what is the joy that was set before him? And we would all say the joy that was set before him is you and I. And that is not incorrect, that God looked On in the eons of time, and saw you and saw me, and he hung on that cross because he had a picture of you and me, and he wanted to restore us and reconcile us and bring us into oneness with the Father. And I would preach that the joy that Jesus saw was you and I, and we would shout about it and be great. And it's good. It's not wrong. Matter of fact, I want to spend some time here and talk about joy. Joy, for example, is. What I would say, what I would call your strength. Matter of fact, Nehemiah eight ten says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so, joy is not like strength. Joy is strength. And so, the joy that was set before him caused him to endure the cross. The cross. Is shameful. It's agonizing. It's painful. Matter of fact, Friday on Good Friday, we're going to talk about the cross in this building for Good Friday. It is not a fun thing. People walk around wearing crosses on their chest as if it was a good thing. I'm not. I'm not doubting. I'm not denying. If you want to wear a cross, wear a cross. But just know it was a curse thing. It was a. It was an evil thing. It was a wicked thing to die on the cross. You didn't want to die by crucifixion. And so. I would say, man, the joy of Jesus seeing you and I gave him the strength to endure the cross. And I used to say the joy of knowing your name is what gave him the strength to continue. Because how I many you know Jesus could have stopped at any moment? And any time he could have said, I need 10,000 legions of angels to come down, take care of this. You know what? I'm tired of being up on this cross. I'm about to get down. You know, they keep talking about me. And people are spitting on me. And and people are yelling. And matter of fact, some uh, footnote, and they talk a little bit more about it Friday, but some uh, theologians believe that the cross was only six feet tall. So, uh, you know, we see pictures of the cross way up in the air and people looking up at Jesus. Some theologians believe it was only six foot tall, and they were looking eye to eye. And so when it says that people were spitting and doing that kind of thing, it's because that's how close that they were. They could see him and he, he was level ground. He wasn't way up in the sky. And so I used to say, man, he he did it for us. And and he looked at us and and the, the, the agony and the shame and and what gave him the strength was you and I. Now, I want to say this. Listen to me now, because I'm going to say something new here. This is not incorrect thinking, but it is incomplete. It's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. Put verse two, if you don't mind, back on the screen. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Reading this passage this week, This jumped off the pages to me. Now, in verse one, we're talking about a race. Talking about a race. Verse two, during this race, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. And then it gives us Jesus as an example. The joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despised the shame. And now he sat down at the right hand of God. As I was contemplating this, thinking about this. Jesus' joy is finishing his race. He saw the finish line. I was talking to my friend. um, He's a UFC fighter, or he's retired now. And I asked him, how do you train for a fight? He said, I trained to fight for 25 minutes. That's how long the fights are. I said, he said, if I, if I win uh, early, that's great, but I train to fight 25 minutes. If I knock him out in round one in the first second, <laughs> that's great, but I train to fight 25 minutes. Uh, I was talking to some people that run track. What are you focused on? You know what they're focused on? They're not focused on the gold medal. They're they're not focused on getting their hand raised. You know what they're focused on? Finishing. Finishing. They're focused on finishing. Let let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to finish this race. I think I'm the fastest, so I should get first place. But nevertheless, I'm going to finish the race. Jesus, Jesus's joy is finishing his race and he saw the finish line. Watch this. How do we know he saw the finish line? Because it says here he sat down at the right hand of God. I believe Jesus, when when he endured that cross, he saw the empty throne sitting right next to his father. And I believe he said, I'm about to sit down, glory to God, and I'm about to take the penalty of sin. Death, hell, and the grave on the cross. And I'm going to redeem humanity from the curse. And I'm going to give them restoration and reconciliation with the Father. And I'm going to break the enmity between God and man. And I'm going to restore relationship between man and the Father. Then I'm going to go down to hell and I'm going to snatch the keys of the kingdom from the devil. And I'm going to take death, hell, and the grave away. And then I'm going to tell the enemy, you have no place here. And I'm going to get the righteous that have died before... And I'm going to bring them out. And then I'm going to go and pour all my blood out on the utensils in heaven. And then I'm going to have all authority and all power has been given to me. And then I'm going to sit down on the throne with all power and authority in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Listen, it includes us, but it's not just about us. Are you listening to me? He was looking at finishing his race. He said, there's been a race that's been set. My race has been set. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish my race. And so now, since the scripture is giving us an example of Jesus finishing his race, and the joy, the strength that endured was, I'm going to get well done well done the emphasis is on the done that means you have to do something and if you're not going to do something then you're not going to be a finisher and so the question I have for you today what does the finish line look for your life what does the finish line look like um What is motivating you? What are you working on? What are you building? What are you doing? By by God's grace and the help of Matt Garris, I've, I've written two books. And you know what kept me going? I don't like to sit down and write. I don't like it. I can find 10,000 other things to do. Every time I sit down to write 10,000 things pop in my mind. This is what you should be doing. You see that spot? You need to vacuum that area over there. You see that up there in the corner There's a spider web up in that corner. You need to do that. And I don't like it. I, I I can find something else to do. I feel like I'm wasting my time. But you know what kept me going? I'm going to complete this book. What kept me going was the finish line. One day, if I keep writing, I'm going to be done. Can you believe that? If you just keep writing, you might finish. If you keep running, you might get to the finish line. If you keep doing what God's telling you to do, there's a finish line. And I just write. And I believe that one paragraph is more than one paragraph I wrote the next day if I did nothing the the previous day. And then, man, three paragraphs, glory to God, that's more than if I'd have done nothing. And what keeps you going? I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. But I must ask you yes, you. What are you working on? What are you doing? Because I want to get well done with the emphasis on done. What, what are you working on so that you'll know that there is a finish line for me? I got a call from a friend of mine, good friend of mine, known him a long time, also a partner of our ministry. He doesn't live in our state. And he said, uh, he said, Devon, I've been, I've been watching you. I said, oh man, you've been watching the broadcast. He said, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I have been watching, but that's not what I'm talking about. I said, well, what you been watching? He goes, I've been I've been watching you. I said, okay. He said, um, you, after the age of 40, you took swimming lessons. Well, I feel like my kids, they love to swim. I don't know how to swim. I don't like the water. Honestly, quite honestly, I could, I, if I would never gotten another body of water, I'd be completely fine besides the shower. I'd be completely fine. I'd be completely fine. But I thought, I don't want to go my whole life and not know how to swim. So I took swimming lessons, one-on-one, because I didn't want to be with no, nobody else. And I need a female to train me too. That's just is my issues, because if a man said, I need you to go down, i would be like, no, I ain't going down that wall like that. But if a female said, I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am, you know, I'll go down there. Another man said, Keep your head on the water. Oh, you keep your head on the water. the female, yes, okay, okay, all right, yes. And so he said, You learned, you you learned how to swim. He said, um you took singing lessons. Many of you don't know that I've taken singing lessons. Now I can't sing, but I wanted to take singing lessons. He said, you've taken singing lessons. He said, um, you, you got your concealed carry license and you bought a you bought a gun and you you got your license and you go to the you go to the range and and um you you grown out your hair. And, you, you know, now you guys know I got different hairstyle than I did a, a, two years ago. And you're growing out your hair. And he said, man, I, I've, been, I've been watching. He says, it's challenging me because what am I doing? I didn't think, I don't think of myself that way. So he, it, he shined light on me because I was just, I'm just, I'm just doing what's before me. What, what is it? OK, you know what? Let's do that. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's sign up. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. He says, challenge me, because what am I doing? And I look and I'm not doing anything. Well, you're not going to get well done if you don't do nothing. And so I said, huh. I said, well, man, listen, I'm not trying to guilt you. I was just trying to do what's before me. And I guess I never looked at it that way. I just have been looking at it as like, hey, it's before me. I've got no excuse. I'm going to do something about it. And too often, we don't have a finish line because we're not doing anything. I want to challenge you today. What are you doing? What are you doing? What, what does your finish line, tell me this, what does your finish line look like? Can you, can you tell yourself what your finish line looks like? I wrote some things down here I want to share with you. One thing is people die, listen to me now, people die at 25 years old, but we bury them at 75. People die at 25, but we bury them at 75. They stopped growing. They stopped doing something. They stopped vision. They stopped mission and direction. They just stopped. If Jesus needed a goal to help him stay focused, so will you. If Jesus needed a goal to help him stay focused, so will you. And guess what? You are not too young and you are not too old. If there is breath in your lungs, there is a race for you to run. Oh, I didn't mean for that to run, but that was good. Somebody write that down. If there's breath in your lungs, there's a race for you to run. One more time. If there's breath in your lungs, there's a race for you to run. Jesus saw the finish line. He said, all of my enemies are going to be my footstool. So the joy that caused gave him strength to continue. Was the finish line. What does that look like to you? Do you want to get to heaven? Stand before the Lord and, and say, well, <sighs> Netflix, you know, if you, did, if you didn't create Netflix, I would have had more, I'd have had more time to do what you called me to do. Um, you know, that cell phone you gave me, I play these games on that cell phone, and if I I just I if I, I wish I had more time. And and I believe, I believe. The Lord will look at you and say, man, thank God you made it to heaven, but there was so much more I wanted you to accomplish on the earth. But that video game, Netflix, wasting time, doing nothing. I have to say it. I, many of you heard me say it. I'll say it, I'll say it again. The, the average lifespan is 78 years old. It's the average lifespan in America. Seventy-eight. Thank God we're gonna live longer than 78. Amen. We're gonna live longer than 78. 26 or a third of those years are spent sleeping. Twenty a third of your life is spent sleeping. That's why you need to buy a good mattress. <laughs> and I, I'm saying that to tell you the truth because Stacey and I, we, we, we always get a nice mattress because when we found a third of our life asleep, you got to you know, protect your back and your body. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all been having that same mattress for 24 years. It's time to upgrade. Somebody shout upgrade. upgrade. Another third of your life is spent working. Working 40 hours a week, blah, blah, blah for X amount of, amount of years. Working, and those of you that are domestic engineers, You are working in the home. You're getting the home situated straight, getting the kids right. Not saying any of that time is wasted. You need to sleep and you need to work. You need to raise your kids, keep that house right, bring in some income if necessary. But here's the part I want to talk to you about. What are you doing with the last third of your life? That's 26 years there. What are you doing with that? So you live to be 78 and realistically you have 26 years. Think about that. Do you have time to date the wrong person? Do you have time to be in an argument with your spouse? Do, do, do you have time to be mad at your mother and father, your grandkids, your son and daughter? I mean, you, I, I don't have time. I have time because time is running out. But if you had a vision and a goal, what I want to call a finish line, that finish line will, will give you joy, which will cause you to have strength to endure. And as you are running this marathon, you're crossing finish line, after finish line, after finish line, after finish line, after finish line, to one day will be the ultimate finish line. And you go, whether it's by the rapture or you go by the grave if Jesus tarries, you're going to cross the ultimate finish line. And I only want to hear two words. Well done. Come on, somebody say, well done. Say it again, well done. Now say your name after you say well done. Come on, say it now. Well done. Well done. Emphasis on done. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.